thank you for having us back. I have been, well, I've been looking forward to this for a year and wondering for whatever, it's four or five months, will we make it? Will we be here? And here we are. Man, is the Lord kind or what that we can do this? Because this, uh, it certainly looked kind of touch and go for a while. And look around. Here we are. This is a gift from God. Now, I am here with my sons, Jack and Jude. Many of you know them, remember them from last year. Thank you for the welcome that you showed us last year and the welcome back that you have shown to us this year. We are really, really grateful for that. I also come with greetings from Sovereign Grace Church of Louisville. We are up in Louisville, Kentucky, and you may not know this, but we are we're friends. Our churches are friends, and we pray for for your church, whether you're here from Knoxville or from Athens or Nashville or some other church, we're praying for you. We pray for your churches often. And a couple weeks ago, Rachel Beekler sent me the, the list of everybody's name on it that would be here. And so for the last couple weeks, I've been praying for you all. I've been praying for this, that our time together would be profitable and fruitful, that the Lord would meet us. And I'm grateful to God that we're here. And I want you to know that it's a measure of my love for you that I'm here right now because it's opening day and the Washington Nationals won the World Series last year and are playing the Yankees right now. And they're my hometown team. I love them. And my boys love them. But we love you even more. We love God's Word even more. Um, and we'll probably lose and uh, that's okay. Well, that's a different thing. So, we are going to spend the next several days learning from the book of Proverbs. So, open your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Proverbs. Easy to find. Open up to the middle. If you find Psalms, turn right. If you find something that rhymes with Isaiah, turn left. And you can stick that little ribbon if you want in there, because we're, all four messages, all, this whole weekend, we're going to be talking about the book of Proverbs. I'm going to go ahead and give you the big picture on Proverbs right up front. The book of Proverbs teaches that there are two kinds of people in this world. I love the two kinds of people in this world thing. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's a fun game to play. You, you know how this works. There's two kinds of people in this world, right? Here's an example. Two kinds of people in this world. There's Skittles people and there's M&M's people. And I think that really does kind of summarize most of humanity. There's people who just, give me the sugar, and there's people who are like, chocolate, right? So where are we at here? Where are my Skittles people? So you, you know who you are, okay, sure. And then the chocolate people, M&Ms. Okay, yeah, a few more chocolate people, more chocolate people than I would have expected in a group this size. There's two kinds of pet people. This is an easy one, right? There's, there's dog people on the one hand. Where are y'all at? And then there's the cat people. Yeah, I thought there would be fewer cat people. Okay, it's all right. We're not going to judge you. None of that here tonight. Two kinds of soda people in the world. You got your Coke people, right? Where are y'all? And you got your Pepsi people. And then there's always somebody. I like iced tea. And that's fine. That's great. That's good. That's not the game we're playing tonight, right? There's two kinds of vacation people. You got your beach people, right? You got your mountain people, okay? There's two kinds of music people. You got your country music people. Where are y'all at? Yes. And then you got your good taste in music people. Everybody else. Yes. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha you on that one. 
You walked right into it. I love these kind of things. They're so ridiculous, right? As if you can classify all seven and a half billion people on the planet in just, in, just into, into two groups. All the complexity, all the diversity, the, the differences in, in taste and interest and desire and experience. Just, yeah, two kinds of people out there. It's nonsense. It's part of what makes the game funny. It's nuts, right, to try to do that? Two kinds, just two kinds of people in this world? Well, you've heard of Solomon, King Solomon, son of David, the second king of Israel, second wisest man to ever walk on the planet after Jesus. I think if Solomon was here, he would say, yeah, you know what? That kind of works. There are two kinds of people in this world. You can do that. King Solomon wants us to know, the book of Proverbs, he wrote the book of Proverbs, most of them, most of this book he wrote to teach us that there really are two kinds of people in the world. And this is important because right now, you are one of these two kinds of people. You are becoming one of these two kinds of people. You are moving in one of these two directions. And we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 1. And I'm going to read the first seven verses. I want you to pay attention and see if you can spot the two kinds of people that are in Proverbs. The two kinds of people that are in the world. So open your Bibles. Follow along with me. I want your eyes looking at the page, hearing my voice, taking in God's Word with all your senses. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get going. Father in Heaven, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for how it teaches us. Help us now to pay attention to Your Word. Grant to us to hear with our ears, and see with our eyes, and set our hearts on all that you show to us. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom we love with all our hearts. Amen. All right, so if you're a note-taking kind of person, first point is very simple. There are two kinds of people in this world. Now, did you get it? As I read those seven verses, did you find the two kinds of people? Any volunteers? Anybody brave? Yes, give me one. The foolish. Oh, oh, that was two, but great. That's exactly right. The foolish and the wise. There are wise people and there are foolish people. Two kinds of world, two kinds of people in the world. Now, some of you, as I was reading through, might have said, well, wait, there's also, it seems like there's the simple. I saw the simple in here, and I'm glad you're paying attention. That's excellent. But and we'll see in a minute that the simple are actually a subset of one of these other two kinds of people. We'll come back to that. 
You can't get away from these two kinds of people in the world. The wise and the foolish. You can't get away from these two kinds of people in the book of Proverbs. As we read through the book of Proverbs, they come up again and again. And so we have to ask, this book pushes us to ask, who are you? What kind of person are you? Are you wise or are you foolish? Are you becoming more of one or more of the other? Will you choose wisdom or folly? And so it's probably a good idea that we take a minute and figure out, well, what does this mean? Who are the wise and who are the fools? What, what is this? What are they like? Well, it's actually very simple. You probably have a pretty good idea intuitively just from the words. But let's be real clear. First, the wise. The wise young person, I'll be referring often here to young people. Maybe you didn't know this, but the book of Proverbs was written for young people. It was written to teach young people godliness. And so the wise young people, person, excuse me, the wise young person fears the Lord by seeking instruction from his or her parents. That's who the wise is. The wise young person fears the Lord by seeking instruction from his or her parents. Because Proverbs was written for young people, wisdom is in this book. Wisdom is almost always related to learning from your parents' instruction and submitting to their authority. So this is about gaining wisdom and instruction from your parents. As far as Proverbs is concerned, Wisdom for young people comes from this source. Your parents. Learning wisdom, receiving their instruction, following their example. Proverbs 13.1 A wise son hears his father's instructions. Proverbs 4.1 Hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. What about the fool? The fool, on the other hand, well, it says it right here. The fool despises wisdom and instruction. Specifically, a fool is a person who despises his or her parents' wisdom and instruction. The fool is proud and rejects dad and mom's counsel and guidance and advice. Proverbs 15.5 says a fool despises his father's instruction. Did you know it was going to hit this hard right away? <laughs> We're going to get right to parents and obedience and authority. Well, it's in the Bible. There's no way around it. Now, if we kept reading, if we started turning the page and reading through proverb after proverb, we would meet two specialized kinds of fools. There are two subcategories here. First, there are the simple. We already, we already met them. We saw them in one of our verses here. These are people, often young people, who are on the path of folly because they haven't yet learned to clearly distinguish right from wrong. They haven't yet committed themselves to obey God. Proverbs 14.15 says, the simple believes everything. Proverbs 22.3 says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The simple, they're people who aren't wise, but haven't committed themselves fully to the sin of folly. 
The simple are a little, they're a little bit like a, somebody in a movie or a TV show, maybe a, a country bumpkin who ends up in the big city and is just, just wandering around in the wrong part of town. Like, man, this is, this is great. And he doesn't understand that he's drifting into serious danger without even realizing it. He's not alert to the kind of danger that ungodliness creates. The simpler are often people who reject their parents' instruction and authority by ignoring it. Often, it's not necessarily animosity towards mom and dad. There's not a bad relationship here, but this is a young person who's proud and just thinks, I, you know, I got this. I'm good. I, I can handle it. Going out with my friends, we'll figure it out. I know mom and dad said some stuff. Ah, whatever. We'll get there. They just follow their impulses, and they're easily led astray by others. I know this kind of fool well because this is the kind of fool that I was in high school. I had what seemed like a pretty good relationship with my folks. I wasn't angry. I wasn't bitter. We laughed a lot, enjoyed family dinners, but I didn't think I needed their help. I was pretty confident that I had things figured out, and so I ignored their advice. I ignored their rules. And I just did what I wanted to do. I was led by my own desires. And it got me into all kinds of trouble. I was stupid. I was a fool. I was a stupid, simple fool. Now there's another kind of specialized fool in the book of Proverbs. And that is the scoffer. Sometimes translated the mocker. It's a word we use a little bit more often. You guys know what mockery is, right? Uh, well, there's mocking and there's scoffing. They're very closely related. This is someone who is now hardened in opposition to God and His ways. Someone who has grown bitter at his or her parents' authority and rejects their instruction. So someone who resents being told what to do. And I pray that you do not become a scoffer or a mocker. If you are a fool, that's not good, but there is still hope for you that you might repent. If you are a mocker or a scoffer, you are in grave danger because you are hardening your heart. You are committing your way in the way of folly. Proverbs 19.29 says, Condemnation is ready for scoffers and beating for the backs of fools. Not long after Nicole and I got married, we went to a conference for college students in 20-somethings. And one of the last sessions there, we were seated towards the back. We had to make an early exit to get home for, for work or something. And so... We were, we were sitting towards the back, and in the row behind us were these five guys that we knew. They went to the same church as us, and they had come to the same conference. And that entire session, they spent mocking the speaker. Very distracting, very irritating. They began just making fun of him, making fun of his clothes and his pronunciation. They imitated some of his mannerisms. But then they started mocking his message. When he started talking about how important obedience is, they were like, man, who, who sucked all the fun out of the room? He started talking about the gospel and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. They were like, ah, not this gospel thing again. Man, we've heard it over and over. It just kept going. And these guys were mockers. It makes me so sad now to think of them because the last I had heard on each one of these guys, every one of them, left the church, left the faith, shipwrecked their lives and made a mess of themselves. So there are these two kinds of people. But here in Proverbs, this isn't like Coke or Pepsi. 
where you can just get out of the equation by being one of those iced tea people. Yeah, ice water, man. I really like that ice water. Oh, wisdom fool. Yeah, I'm this other thing. No, that's not an option in the book of Proverbs. There's only two kinds of people in the world of Proverbs. So who are you? Are you among the wise or are you among the fools? And unlike other categorizations, unlike (laughs) beach or mountains or cat or dog or Skittles and M&M, this is of the utmost importance. Listen to the difference this can make. Proverbs 3.35, the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Proverbs 10.14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Proverbs 13.20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 14.24, the crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings folly. Proverbs 21.20, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. And then, maybe most serious of all, Proverbs 9.18 says that the simple person runs headlong into folly and temptation because here's what it says, he does not know that the dead are there. This is no Coke or Pepsi distinction. Everything about your life and your future is on the line. Wisdom or folly. There are only two paths. There are only two options. There are only two ways to go. And so we need to ask. You need to ask. You need to ask yourself honestly, sincerely, who am I? Am I wise or am I a fool? Right now, every person in this room, every person on the planet is becoming more and more like one of these people. Into all sorts of other things. Uh, fear might be, for some of you, the, the, the tension that builds towards the climax of some scary movie. For others of you, it's, it's the jolt of terror of narrowly missing a, a car wreck. It might be the dread of a visit to the dentist. It could be gnawing anxiety about an upcoming test. But the fear in the fear of the Lord is something else entirely. It's something on a, just on a totally different level than that, that jolt of anxiety that we feel. It's something scary that comes along. We think of fear as a bad thing. And it's in us. God built it, that emotion into us to protect us from things like cliffs and snakes and whatever else you might be afraid of. But in the Bible, it functions differently. Isaiah 33, 6. I like what it says in the NIV. This translation says, He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. Right? Sound familiar? The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. I like that. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. And sometimes people describe the fear of the Lord as something like reverence and awe and amazement. And that's the right place to start. 
Because the fear of the Lord, we're talking about the Lord, the majestic creator, the king, high above everything. We are terrified, maybe. We compare this to being terrified by a bolt of lightning, but still drawn to the window to see more. Or maybe the, the awe and amazement when you first catch a glimpse of the Grand Canyon or the beauty of the Milky Way in a night sky. That's a good start. The scale and beauty of creation, it teaches us something about the majesty and the glory of God. In fact, Job 26, 14 says, Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. I love that. Think about the most beautiful thing in creation. The most a thundering waterfall, crashing waves at the beach, the beauty of a rainbow, whatever you can come up with in your mind. Just, just the outskirts of God's creative power and his love for beauty and his care over all that he has made. Think about what happens, though, to the people in the Bible who come face-to-face with God. They experience the fear of the Lord in a different way. In Genesis 17, 7, when God is reiterating, he's telling Abraham about this covenant again, what happened? Abraham fell on his face before God. Joshua 5, 14, Joshua fell on his face and worshiped. Isaiah 6. Do you remember what Isaiah said when he saw the throne room of God? He said, Woe is me. Daniel 8:17. Daniel fell on his face. Ezekiel, then I fell on my face. Revelation 1:17. John said, I fell at his feet as though dead. See a theme here. The majesty of God humbles us. It lays us low, and that is where the fear of the Lord starts. But it's not the fear of God. You don't have the fear of the Lord in you if you can simply pass a true-false test about the character of God and his nature. If, if I could hand you an exam, and, and you could be like, yeah, sovereignty and holiness, and God is infinite, and Trinity, there's something about that. Check, check, check. That's not the fear of the Lord. A person who fears the Lord is someone who has begun to see what God is like and what he has been like towards you, especially how Jesus has come for sinners like us and laid down his life to forgive all those who had come in faith and repentance. I was at a conference when I heard a a sermon that C.J. Mahaney preached on the holiness of God. And I remember this conference so vividly. I was a sophomore in college. This was around the time I became a Christian. I'm not sure if it was here or just before this. But I understood in that sermon for the first time the seriousness of my sin. That my sin, not just that I had done wrong things, but that fundamentally who I am was opposed to God, hated God, fled from God, And that God in his mercy and kindness had had stopped me from sprinting towards hell, had turned me around. And do you know what happened? you know what I did? In In the middle of that sermon, I started crying. And you would think, 
that as that sermon, you know, it reaches its high point, and you know how sermons do, they kind of come down, you, you, conclusion, application, here's what you can do, take this home. You would think that I would have come down with that sermon, but I didn't. The longer I sat there, the worse it got. I cried harder and harder because as I sat there thinking about what my sin deserved, how I deserved hell and punishment, and how instead I'd been given mercy, I wept. I sat in that giant, it was, it was the giant gym at a college, and I sat up in the top of the bleachers for an hour. I was one of the last people in the room. My, my shirt was soaked. I'm like, I wept because I understood, and I think I tasted for the first time the fear of the Lord. And I walked out of that room, not scared, not that kind of fear. You know what I was left with? I left with overwhelming joy. I walked out of that room, I think the happiest person at that conference. The fear of the Lord is what happens when we see that the God who created the universe has come down and rescued sinners like us, that he has intervened, that he has saved, that he has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. I wish, guys, I, listen, I, I wish I had words. I wish my words were strong enough and powerful enough and beautiful enough to, to make this as vivid for you as I felt it then and, and continue to this day to feel it now. It's something only the Holy Spirit can do in you, but you know it if you have it because you will experience joy. The fear of the Lord is not raw terror, but it is gratitude and affection and worship and awe directed at God for what he's done. There's an author named Michael Reeves. He's a church historian, and he says it like this. It is not simply that we love God for his graciousness and fear him for his majesty. That would be a lopsided fear of God. We also love him for his holiness and tremble at the marvelousness of his mercy. True fear of the Lord is true love for God defined. It is the right response to God's full-orbed revelation of himself in all his grace and glory. Keep that up for a second. Is that up there? Yes. So, the right response. This last sentence is money. The right response to God's full-orbed revelation of himself in all his grace and glory. That's it's a mouthful. That's chunky. It's hard to understand maybe if you... Came here thinking, yeah, games, and we're going to run around. There's bandanas, there's teams, clash of clans. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's think about what this teaches us. What's another word for God's full-orbed revelation of himself in all his grace and glory? Is there another word that comes to mind? How about the gospel? We hear this quote, we read the book of Proverbs, and now we think, yes, what Solomon saw, what Solomon wants us to see and feel is good, but we have something that Solomon didn't have. We have Jesus. We have the full-orbed revelation of himself in all his grace and glory. And our response to that is called the fear of the Lord. It's gratitude. It's worship. It's trembling. We, man, that was close. 
we narrowly avoided disaster. It's joy and awe and affection. You will feel the fear of God when the gospel becomes personal. When you understand that you have been a fool who rebelled against God, who rejected the king, who turned your back on his gift of grace and glory. You rebelled against him and deserved the furious wrath of God for sin. And yet, and yet, Jesus left heaven and came for you and died for you and took the punishment that you deserve so that you could be forgiven and welcomed into God's family. If you feel, if you hear those words, and the smallest something even is stirred in your heart, and you begin to feel the slightest mixture of, of, of shock and awe, of joy, of gratitude, of amazement, of disbelief, that is the beginnings of the fear of the Lord rising up in you. So, how does a young person get there? How do you learn the fear of the Lord? I hope that's a question you have. I hope it's a question you're thinking about. If not, I'm going to give you that question. You should be thinking about that question. How does a young person learn the fear of the Lord and grow in the fear of the Lord and experience the fear of the Lord? Well, the very next verse helps us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Verse 8, hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. How does a young person fear the Lord? By heeding your parents' instruction. By seeking their wisdom. By following their example. By learning from their instruction. Here's a couple more samples. Proverbs 2, verse 1, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you. Proverbs 3, verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Proverbs 4, verse 1, hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. Proverbs 4, 10, hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. By the way, uh, daughters, this is for you too. Yeah, it's... He's addressing sons. It was written as a king to a future king, so he's addressing a son. But this is also for, for daughters, how young women can gain the fear of the Lord as well. Proverbs 4.30, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. We can do this all night. <laughs> 31 chapters here. We can go on a long time. I'm just cherry-picking the easy ones. So how does a young person fear the Lord? By hearing your parents' instruction. The fear of the Lord is just the beginning of knowledge. It is the on-ramp. This is how a young person begins a life that is marked by the fear of the Lord. That's why Proverbs 28, 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. The fear of the Lord is not something you, you, you kind of raise your hand and volunteer for at advance and then go back to the way you lived before. It is for life. It sets a trajectory. You know what that is? It's a direction. It means you're getting an on-ramp onto the highway called wisdom. And so if you're taking notes, we're going to finish with a third point, growing in the fear of the Lord. How do you do this? How do you grow in the fear of the Lord? Now, I really enjoyed meeting so many of you last year, and I know from having met many of you last year that there are many of you 
who are wise. There are many young people in this room who fear the Lord. And I love that about you. And if that's you, some of you are, you may be worried. You might be thinking, I I thought I was doing that. Am I not doing that? Am I supposed to be doing more of that? Some of you, maybe your conscience is even wound a little too tight. And you're like, oh no, what do I do? Um, No, some of you, if you are doing this, you should be encouraged. If you already seek your parents' wisdom and instruction, if you submit yourself to their authority, the Lord is pleased with that and keep that up. You are growing in the fear of the Lord. You haven't experienced yet everything that that means, but you are becoming wise. But if you have been a fool, God is calling you to repent. Some of you, and I think you know who you are, you are somewhere on that spectrum, simple, fool, scoffer. You ignore your parents' instruction. You don't like their example. You have rejected them and grown embittered towards them, maybe. If that is you, there is still time. You can repent and get on the path of wisdom. There's a proverb that says, the way of the transgressor is hard. So for your own sake, repent. Repentance means turning your back on sin, going the other direction, And coming to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. If you are a fool, listen, you might have some fun here, right? You might eat a lot of pancakes. You might play some spike ball. You might run around a bit. Maybe you're good at ultimate frisbee. Maybe you stomp more balloons than anybody else. But that's about all that you will get out of this. And most of this time will be very uncomfortable to you. Because you will be surrounded by people who genuinely fear the Lord, and love Him, and are excited to hear the name of Jesus Christ, to sing His praises, and to worship Him. But you can be one of them. Join us. You're missing out on so much. And you have three more sessions. We have another day and a half of this. Why wait? You can come to Jesus Christ now for forgiveness to repent of your sins, to turn your back on folly. I I want you more than anything to be convinced that the way of folly, it might look good. You might think, yeah, I know some people who, Whitaker up there would probably call them fools, but yeah, they seem to be all right. They're getting along okay. They have a good time. I think I want some of that. I want to have my fun. I want to be independent. I want to, I want to do what I, I want to do. I can't wait to get to college and, and make my own decisions and set my own curfew and go where I want to go, listen to what I want to listen to, watch what I want to watch. And the Lord would say to you, stop. Stop. You're being a fool. And wisdom is right here fact, wisdom, he or she is sitting right next to you. For many of you, you have the opportunity now to turn from that folly and gain so much. So, I've heard people say that the fear of the Lord is a little bit like the feeling that you get when you have had a death-defying, almost disaster moment. 
we had a really fast slowdown on the highway today. It didn't actually feel all that dangerous, but I did notice somebody behind us had to bail out into the shoulder. People are, you know, swervy a little bit. That wasn't very serious, but I have been in some scrapes that were really scary. That's a faint picture of what the fear of the Lord is like. If you've almost fallen from some great height, if you've almost been in a massive pileup, you know what I'm talking about, the breathless review of, of what we just missed, maybe literally shaking with fear. But there is also this explosive joy. You're just glad to be alive. I was driving to church one day, and I came around the corner on this windy, curvy road. There's a huge car accident right there in front of me, and there was one of our church members crying on the side of the road. She'd just been in this massive wreck, and she lived, and she kissed the ground. She literally did it. She was so happy to be alive. That's kind of like the fear of the Lord. But you know what else happens when someone barely misses disaster? People stop, and they think about their lives. They consider how they spend their time, what they're living for, Words they spoke in anger to a loved one that they wish they could take back, and now they're going to go ask forgiveness for. They resolve to live better lives, which means more obedient lives. And I hope that studying the fear of the Lord will have the same effect in our hearts. We are here so that we can do that. These three days together, we're going to be talking a lot about the fear of the Lord and how it works out in other areas. We're going to be talking about wisdom and folly and what they look like in different ways. So let's get used to this. We want the dramatic rescue from the wrath of God to bring us to our knees in trembling joy that drives us to repentance and to obedience so that walking in the fear of the Lord, we might have the fullness of joy in Jesus Christ and devote ourselves to obedience to Him and His Word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that we can call you Father. We want to grow in the fear of the Lord. Those of us who know you know that we want to know you better, and we want to fear you more, and we are struck by your majesty and your beauty. How often people in Scripture, when they get a good look at you, they fall on their face, and we think then about how often we're not like that, how often we're flippant, how often we forget, how often we wander, how often we sin, sometimes intentionally, sometimes knowing that we're doing it. Father, forgive us our sins and help us to walk in obedience that comes from the fear of the Lord. Father, I pray for these young people, make them wise. Let them be wise and not fools. Father, give them the fear of the Lord, and from this day forward, may they grow in it every day. May it make the difference that keeps them on the way of wisdom and protects them from folly, from being simple, from being a scoffer. And Father, in this, help us to love Jesus Christ more and more because through Him, We've been forgiven of our sins and adopted into your family. We have the hope of heaven, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.